Welcome to the Newson Health Menopause Podcast. I'm Dr. Louise Newson, a GP and menopause specialist, and I run the Newson Health Menopause and Wellbeing Centre here in Stratford-upon-Avon. So today I'm very excited to have Emma Ellis-Flint, who is now officially the most frequent podcaster that I have on my series. Um, As some of you know, Emma is a nutritionist that works very closely with us in the clinic. And we thought we would record something a bit different today. There's so much uncertainty in the world with coronavirus and there's a lot of panic buying. There's Every time I go to the supermarket, there's various items that we can't get. So Emma and I thought it would be really useful to just share some thoughts that, well, we, but especially Emma has regarding how we can eat properly and really look after ourselves because looking after ourselves and our families and our loved ones is really crucial. So thanks for joining me today, Emma. That's a pleasure, Louise. Yeah. So really difficult times. There's a lot of uncertainty in the world. There's a lot of stress. There's a lot of lot of worry. Everyone's got something that's affecting them and lots of us have got more than one thing. So we know, we've talked about it before, how important nutrition is for our health but also our well-being and and our mental well-being as well so talk me through some really simple tips that we can do to help us yes thanks Louise look it it really is and I think hopefully this is really quite simple for people because there are things people can do it made me laugh actually the other day when I did go into the supermarket because the parts of the aisles that were empty were things like rice and pasta and Mm. in fact those are exactly not the foods that are going to boost your immunity those foods don't have the nutrients in them that are actually immune boosting so Mm. I think the main thing that people want to appreciate is yes we want to get lots of vitamins and polyphenols into our cells which is through lots of fruits and vegetables and I'll go into details about that and also conversely, and, and at the same time, those great fruits and vegetables and, and nuts and seeds and legumes and pulses and things like that, they all feed the gut bacteria um, mm-hmm. you've got. And if your gut is healthy and the bacteria is working well, then this boosts your immunity as well. So the foods that are good for us and our bodies as human beings are also good for our gut bacteria and both work together to boost your immunity. Yeah, so let's just spend a minute just reminding everyone about what gut bacteria is, because there's so much about bugs at the moment, but there are some good bugs as well, aren't there? So just just explain what goes on in our gut. Why do we have bugs in our gut and why are they so important for us? Okay, so everybody has millions, if not billions of bacteria living in our gut and they work there in synergy with us they eat the food that we can't digest and they live happily most of the time in there and they produce byproducts from their digestion which our body and our gut loves byproducts that actually feed us and support us and not just the wall of our gut bacteria but make us quite healthy it goes beyond our gut and into our body and act as an anti-inflammatory and help it boost our own immunity and those gut bacteria themselves if they are living well in our gut they are the good guys and then when the bad guys come along our good guys kind of say hey there's no room for you bad guys you just carry on through and you just 
get out the way. And so they help us and boost our immunity in that sense as well. So it's a real happy working ecosystem there in our gut. Which is really important. And for some of you who want to know more, we have recorded a podcast, haven't we, about gut health and how we can boost our gut health and also how various food types, especially a lot of processed foods, can actually make our gut microbiome worse. And like Emma says, it's very good for our immunity, but it's also very good for our mental health and well-being, isn't it, Emma? Absolutely. In fact, that's right. So anxiety, which some people might be feeling more of at the moment, interestingly enough, affects our gut, but our gut affects our anxiety. So once again, if we can feed our body whole foods, beneficial foods, it won't just boost our immunity, it will help our mental health and hopefully will help to reduce that anxiety. So it's starting to be spring, so which is a good time because there will be more and more fresh fruits and vegetables available to us, won't there? And hopefully we won't be restricted so much that we can actually access them because like we've spoken about before, fresh fruit and vegetables, the more colours the better, the more varieties the better. It's, it's going to be good, isn't it? It is, most definitely. Right now, if you buy, though, frozen vegetables mm. and frozen fruit like dark berries, those are actually still very boosting for yes. your gut and your immunity. So that's fantastic. And then those winter vegetables like cabbage and onions and garlic are actually hugely boosting to your immunity and your gut health as well. And beetroot, which is around at the moment. So in fact, yes, you're right, we're coming into the spring season and they'll asparagus will pop up anytime soon, for instance, and things like that. However, those winter vegetables I mentioned, and then these spring vegetables coming through, they're all very boosting. These vegetables I'm talking about are often termed as prebiotics. And if someone were to Google prebiotics, so that's P-R-E, as in prebiotics, these are the foods, especially in research, has been shown to beneficially affect our good guys in our gut and boost our gut bacteria, which in turn boosts both our immunity and our mental health. So we've got foods like unusual foods, perhaps like Jerusalem artichokes. We've got chicory and radicchio and stuff and rocket. But then those garlics, leeks, onions, spring onions, asparagus coming in season soon, beetroot, fennel, green peas. And so it goes on cabbage. Cabbage is fabulous. Artichokes. And then we've got apples, winter fruit, but also we've got dark berries, which will come into season in perhaps a few months' time. They're all just absolutely fabulous for the gut, as well as they all have plenty of vitamin C in them, which is boosting immunity and our gut health. Fantastic. Some people have been worried about eating fresh fruit and vegetables because they're worried about, obviously, we're all worried about coronavirus, but if it's on any fresh fruit and vegetables, and I've heard of some people actually washing fruit with soapy water. I'm not sure we have to go to that extreme. I don't know. What are your thoughts about that? Uh, Well, that's interesting. I haven't actually heard anything very specific to do with COVID-19 to do with this. I can only generalise on viruses or, or perhaps more actually bacteria on fruit and vegetables. And of course, cooking would kill the bacteria, which is a great thing. I don't know about washing with soapy water. Actually, I can't really comment on the COVID-19. I don't know. I think the thing is, no one knows, but I think it's sensible to wash fruit and vegetable anyway. We know that there's a lot of fibre in the skin of fruit, so it is good to eat. And I think if someone has 
reduced immunity, then maybe consider cooking. But we don't want to overcook our vegetables because then some of the good vitamins will go from it. Yes. So we're, we're in the supermarket or we're, we're going out shopping and we buy as much fruit and vegetables as we can. But obviously it varies the time of day that we shop, what's available. Yes. And then what about other foods? If we have a longer lockdown and if we find it very difficult to get out and we want food to last, what about food that's on the shelf? Yes, so other foods that boost your both your immunity and your gut health are nuts and seeds, legumes and pulses, and whole grains. So especially when you look at nuts and seeds, you want especially those ones that have skin on. So raw almonds, you know how the raw almonds have the skin on and that skin is absolutely fabulous for our gut bacteria. So that's a really great one. And plus nuts and seeds have contain great protein and great anti-inflammatory oils. So they're absolute win-win and they keep for ages. And then you've got legumes and pulses. The easiest ones for people who aren't so familiar with them are lentils Dried lentils don't have to be soaked overnight. They can be cooked. They don't have to be no, soaked overnight. No, they do not have to be soaked overnight. Interesting, good. Any type of lentil doesn't have to be soaked overnight. So you can just cook it up in a pot with some water. And should you, should you wash them before? Should you rinse them before uh, you cook them? I mean, that's best to do it. But, you know, lentils being tiny, you, you want one of those strainers that has really tiny holes so you don't want to lose most of your lentils down the sink no I mean I just wash mine in a sieve I mean I'm as you know don't eat meat but I do make my own stock so I tend to cook lentils in a stock or you can just use water can't you and and put in some vegetables or some herbs or whatever absolutely so once you've got the cooked lentils then how fabulous to have like a big fry pan with some extra virgin olive oil in it pop in some shredded cabbage some chopped up onion and garlic just fantastic and cook cook that up so it's just soft and then you throw in a big handful of those cooked lentils toss them all together popped in some say dried herbs or fresh herbs if you've got some growing even better and you oh my gosh you have so boosted your immunity your gut health your vitamin c and by the way by cooking with a little bit of extra virgin olive oil you actually make all the nutrients and those vegetables even more bioavailable in your gut. So your body absorbs even more of them. Okay, so it's good to cook in olive oil because some people are scared of oil, aren't they? They think it's better to dry cook or just use the spray of oil, but actually to use, like you say, extra extra virgin virgin olive oil. The thing with extra virgin olive oil is that because it is so high in its own beneficial polyphenols still, it actually means it can withstand high heat temperatures up to 210 degrees centigrade without being damaged. So actually, it's completely wrong where we all thought you just use it sprinkled on salad. You can cook with it. And that boosts that dish's benefits. So that's really quite cheap as well, isn't yes. it? Um, yes. To have something like that, because it's a lot of people are worried about how to stay at home. The kids are at home now with schools closing. So, I mean, I've personally got three extra meals a day yeah. to cook for my family and my teenagers eat a lot. Yeah. And it's having food that lasts in our body is really important as well, because the immediate reaction for a lot of people, especially if you're feeling more anxious, is to go for some chocolate We'll go for some sweets, have a quick fix. Yeah. But actually, it's such a quick fix and it's so bad for our pancreas because you get this big spike of insulin and then it drops off. So food that will last in the body. And, you know, if I gave my children some lentils on their own, there's no way yeah. they would eat them. 
But I actually put lentils, um, once I've drained them, I just, they're uncooked, but I put them in with my um, bolognese, if I'm making a bolognese of mincemeat, so they cook in there. Brilliant. And it pads out the meat, so it makes it a bit cheaper. But actually, the children will eat them, and they've never once minded, yeah. because they don't really realise, because I also chop lots of other vegetables really small. So things like leek and uh, celery and carrots and obviously garlic and onions into my mince because then it makes it go a long way. And, you know, spaghetti bolognese, shepherd's pie, lasagna, you can do quite a lot, can't you? And I think it's also, I cook in bulk because, as you know, I'm busy, but I have a big chest freezer. So the children can still eat proper home-cooked food, but I don't want to be cooking every day. I'm not interested enough, but I haven't got the time. So it's been clever with our time as well, isn't it? It's really important. Yes, that whole batch cooking thing is it really is fantastic. You know, that whole cook once, eat twice or cook once and eat five times. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, it saves you so much time. And going back to that list of the nuts, seeds, legumes, pulses, and we've got whole grains as well. So, you know, whole grains store for ages, you know, things like quinoa or quinoa as it's spelt. You've got brown rice. Fantastic. Brown rice, much higher in magnesium than white rice. Brown rice, basmati brown rice cooks actually very fast. And you've got so many more nutrients in there and so much more that will boost the immunity. And those things, if you cook them up, they can freeze up in batches really easily. Yes, because I know when I was at medical school, I was taught that you should never reheat rice because there's um, bacteria that can grow. And, and if rice is reheated, you can get it. But actually, I think that's changed. And we know that I've heard, I don't know if it's right, that if you use rice the second time, it's actually got more nutrients in it. Is that right or not? Um, no, it's not the nutrients. If you use rice the second time, it lowers its glycemic index. So rice, it okay. produces less of a spike in your blood sugars. That's why. Um, because the like the carbohydrate molecules almost lock together. And so it becomes even more of a whole food, a better for your blood uh, sugar balance. So that's another reason for because I mean I often cook twice as much rice as I need and I'll have it for my or the children will have it for example with bolognese and then I will grate vegetables in it and stir in some seeds and some olive oil and some lemon juice and then have that for my lunch the next day right. which is great because it's easy yes I'm not cooking twice but actually it's better like you say and, and just talk us through the glycemic what does that mean by low glycemic? Glycemic is another word for kind of like sugar almost in your blood and when we eat sugary foods for instance we get this surge of sugar or glucose in our bloodstream and our body doesn't like that our blood has a very tight pH value and it doesn't like this sugar floating around it it literally makes our blood a bit sticky and so our body wants to get it out and so it's a communication that goes through our pancreas to send out insulin insulin comes through into the bloodstream insulin is communicating with the cells all around our bodies including our muscle cells other cells and it almost likes knocking on the door of those cells saying come on anyone guys come on anyone needs some extra sugar Come on, open up your channels, get that sugar out of the blood. That's what insulin's doing. It's knocking on the doors of the cells. And so as much sugar, so to speak, or glucose in the blood that our body can use, the insulin is just saying, come on, come on, get it out of the blood. And where our body can't use it, i.e. perhaps we haven't been doing exercise or whatever, then it goes to the liver and the liver will try and use what it can as a store. But if the liver is already full up, of its stores, then it will go to body fat. And this is about this spike in this sugar in the blood. And glycemic index refers to how food is indexed as to whether it produces this sugar spike and to how much it produces this sugar spike when you eat it in our blood. So low glycemic index is good. 
Very good. Yes. So give us some more examples then of low glycemic index okay. foods. Here we go. Fruits and vegetables, nuts and seeds, legumes and pulses and whole grains. So there's a bit of a theme going on here, yeah. isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. And fats generally as well, are low glycemic. So, you know, all these things that boost our immunity, improve our mood, feed our good gut bacteria are also low glycemic. They're all just fantastic things. So what about high glycemic foods? They're obviously not as good for us. Give us some examples of those. So sugary foods and eating a lot of dried fruit, that's quite sugary. Things like white rice and white flour products, so white flour biscuits, white flour cakes, white flour pastries, things like that. So they're all high glycemic and it's best to try and avoid them for all these reasons we've been speaking okay, about. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I've changed my cooking. I've, I have got a sweet tooth and my children like biscuits and cakes, but I use quite a lot of spelt flour, but I don't, I sometimes mix it with white flour and then just add a bit more baking powder. So, and I think that's obviously better. And I, it was interesting when I last went to the supermarket, there was no white flour, but there was lots of spelt flour, rye flour, yeah. wholemeal flour. And the quinoa that you're saying that's spelt Q-U-I-N-O-A is very easy to cook. Yes. It's easier than rice. It's very quick. But actually, a lot of people don't know about it. And there was a lot of quinoa on the shelves. And even my children will eat it. Sometimes I'll cook it with some couscous as well to stir through for a bit of change. And with children, it can be quite hard because... What my children eat now, they wouldn't have eaten five years ago. Yeah. And we've just changed things very gradually. And when we're stressed as parents, that stress can go through with children and mealtimes can then be very stressful. Yeah. And for me, I really strongly feel that mealtimes should be pleasurable. Certainly in my house, we don't have our phones near us at the table, um, much to my children's disgust at times, but we can all survive 20 minutes without our phones. But also, we quite often reflect as a family, you know, what good things have happened to you today? And how have you been feeling? And because if I say to them, what have you done at school? Or what have you done today? They'll, they'll just say nothing or the usual. Yeah, so it doesn't lead to a conversation. And And certainly there is some evidence, isn't there, that if you sit down when you eat, that's better than standing up. And actually having time to enjoy your food, and I know a lot of the work and the workshops you do, you're very passionate about enjoying food. It's not just fuel. And if you have this sensation, you, you know what you're going to, you can smell the food, you prepare it, you're looking forward to it. And then when you eat when you're hungry and eat slowly, you can really enjoy it. And I think the secret for a lot of food is enjoying it because we've got to find pleasure in what we do. But it's also so you can keep full for longer. Yeah. Because a lot of us will reach for something to try and have an immediate boost. But then half an hour later, we feel worse because you get this big dip. Yeah. So if we can have some of the foods that you're saying, it can make quite a difference to how you feel two, three hours later as well, which is really important. That's so true. Exactly. And it's quite interesting Going back to those high glycemic foods, the sugar, the white flour product foods, they, funnily enough, themselves can produce a bit of stress in the body. And then you've got the stress anyway of what's going on and then the stress of daily life. So we might have quite a lot of stress going on. And you're right, sitting down and trying to mindfully eat and perhaps use the eating and the chewing to calm yourself and being perhaps with the family, hopefully, being eating with someone. That's all very calming and stress-relieving. Chewing itself is very stress-relieving. Because it's interesting, research shows that stress itself 
suppresses the immune system. So, you know, it's just, oh gosh, oh, deep breaths. And, yeah, it is. And I think we know that stress induces inflammation. And if people have more inflammation, they have an increased risk of diseases going on, such as heart disease and um, diabetes and so forth. And, you know, we've got to look to the long term and to see how much we can do to improve our health when we get through all this. And certainly, exercising as well as eating healthily is really important isn't it oh extremely some of us are going to be very restricted in what exercise we can do but we can still go outside even if we have to go outside on our on our own yeah but I think getting fresh air having some vitamin d if there's any sunlight is really important as well isn't it oh extraordinarily so interestingly enough vitamin d definitely does boost immunity which is why the nhs recommends 10 micrograms of vitamin d throughout the winter months and the tail end of autumn and spring and so this isn't just women it's certainly not just menopausal women it's um, children over the age of one and and male females should certainly have at least 10 if you're high risk there's some evidence that having 25 micrograms is good because this is the sunlight vitamin so you can get a little bit from oily fish and some eggs for example but not enough yeah so even if you have the best diet in the world you really need to supplement with vitamin d and the reason that it's recommended to us is because it's good for our bone health so it helps with um, keeping bones strong especially in the winter months but like you say emma there's there is evidence that it reduces inflammation and boosts immunity as well isn't it yes that's right that's right and look I think it's great in the UK, we're coming to spring. Let's hope it's a warm spring. There's plenty of sunshine. I think if a person is able to get outside and strip off to as much skin showing as possible whilst staying warm in the middle of the day, that's fantastic. It's amazing. That will help. That will boost their immunity. It will help to produce some vitamin D production in their body. Perhaps wearing a T-shirt and if it's warm enough, some shorts and going for a walk. Going for the walk and the exercise boosts immunity. And, and so it goes on. And I understand from the health authorities that they say we can go outside if we're sort of two metres from people sort of thing. So it's OK. So it is important, really important that we consider that. And then any other supplements at all? I mean, whenever I go to supermarket or to chemist, there's shelves and shelves and shelves of supplements. And I have no idea what to take, but I do know a lot of them are very expensive. And at a time that we have to be really careful about our finances as well. Yeah. Vitamin D is really cheap, actually, and it yeah. doesn't really matter. There's lots of marketing saying certain types are better, but I think most of us will agree that it doesn't really matter what manufacturer or what make it is. What other supplements? Are there any others that you think would be worthwhile? So zinc's quite important. I think it depends what people are eating. Good sources of zinc, in fact, fantastic source of zinc is oysters. But I think for some people that might be a bit hard to get. I mean, you can get tinned oysters and that would have plenty of zinc in it still. But some people don't like oysters. But that's an amazing one. And zinc's found in pumpkin seeds. And pumpkin seeds aren't massively expensive. But beyond that, zinc is actually quite boosting to the immunity. So, I mean, that might be one to look at having. Also, probiotics. There is some evidence to suggest that sort of acidophilus and bifidus type of probiotics are quite boosting to the immunity. And that goes back to the fact that so much of our immunity is built up and comes from the gut. 
And so having a probiotic is quite handy, you know, as well as eating the prebiotic foods that I mentioned. And certainly if, I mean, we've, we've spoken about this on a previous podcast that you can all listen to, but I make my own kefir that you kindly gave me. Yes. And if any of you are making kefir, it's, well, we, we have spoken about it before. It's very easy to make, but actually it's very easy to share with people. Yes. So I've got enough that I've given to some of the doctors here and I can still give out. And it takes me two minutes every three days to make so it doesn't take long and that can be snuck into various foods or smoothies so even if you're not buying probiotics then that's one way of having some probiotics at least isn't it yes it is it is and absolutely and kefir is one of the best but then I guess the humble yogurt if it's just natural plain yogurt that does actually contain those alive bacteria so that's really good to have if you can tolerate dairy it's absolutely brilliant so I agree and it's funny if you do know anyone who does make kefir they're always trying to give the kefir grains as they're called away so that's a great one to sort of find someone who's making it to do that Yes. So look, rounding it up, I think that vitamin C rich fruit and vegetables generally, which are actually in most fruit, and ve- I mean, all fruit and vegetables have vitamin C and that genuinely is a good thing, a really good thing. And frozen does still contain it. Then you've got the vitamin D, which is in sunshine, which is a little bit in those oily fish, a little bit in mushrooms that have been exposed to sunshine and in free range eggs. But you've got zinc and pumpkin seeds and oysters. All those prebiotic foods I mentioned, the nuts and seeds, the lentils, pulses, you know, legumes and the uh, whole grains. And you've got those kind of fermented foods and what those that you're used to, the kefir, brilliant, yogurt, um, live sauerkraut, kimchi, all those sort of things. It's all good. And this genuine sunshine and exercise wherever Mm -hmm. a person can. That's the way to really keep ourselves well and boosted. Yeah. I think that's brilliant and it's really good to hear very simple ways of trying to improve and certainly on your website which we'll put a link to on the podcast notes there are some very simple recipes aren't there yes for people to do and certainly I'm going to try and use this time to um, teach my children how to cook because (laughs) I feel I don't see why I should be cooking all their meals when they're the ones at home off school so cooking should be pleasurable it shouldn't be a chore and we just need to be really savvy at the moment about how we spend our money in the supermarket but also what's available to us to sometimes just fertling around in shelves that um, you might not have looked at before is really important. Yes. So thank you ever so much, Emma. I think this is actually the first podcast I've done where I haven't even mentioned the word menopause, <laughs> um, which is quite shocking. <laughs> but as you know, the menopause affects everyone. And this, what we're talking about today, is certainly nothing to do with the menopause. We all need to look after ourselves, whether we're menopausal or not. So thank you for getting me out of my comfort zone, Emma and talking about something that's not just the menopause. So finally, can you just give, in the usual style, three take-home tips? So maybe three things that people should consider buying that they might not have done before they listen to this podcast. Yes. So I think one of the easiest ones is, if you buy rice and you like rice, buy brown rice. It doesn't take much longer to cook than white rice. And if at first you think your family will will be really a bit concerned about that, then just mix it with a little bit of white rice and cook that up. I would buy some brown rice. And the other thing I would do is get some simple vegetables like broccoli and cabbage and just cook them up and try and kind of eat them each day. Garlics, onions, those sorts of prebiotic immune, gut immune boosting vegetables have those and actually 
going away from food, I'd really recommend that wherever possible, someone try to keep up the exercise during this time in any way, shape or form. I mean, much better if they can get outside. If they can't, then download an app and just inspire themselves to do it. Yeah. Excellent. Really, really good advice as always, Emma. So thanks ever so much for giving up your time today and coming on this podcast. Okay, fantastic, Louise. For more information about the menopause, please visit our website, www.menopausedoctor.co.uk. Thank you.